and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest works with visionary senior sales leaders to develop high-performance sales teams with the knowledge, skills, and will to drive profitable growth. She is a sales senzai. Now, that means a teacher. She's a warrior teacher in, in martial art terms. Author of Beat the Bots and a sales enablement consultant. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Anita Nielsen. Thank you so much, Janice. I want everyone to know that I did not pay Janice to say all those nice things. She did that herself. So thank you for that introduction. I appreciate it. Well, I've been thinking about you. I know the last time we talked, we talked about you love coming to London and I would love yes. to kind of host you in, in London with your, yes, your so family. But actually, it just seems like we're, you know, the, I'm really feeling the distance now. It's a year into the pandemic. And you're, right. when I think of you, I just want to give you a big hug. So Sweet, same, same. hug. You know, so exactly. I want the audience to know this is the way I feel about Anita. I cannot <laughs> wait to get my hands on her. And that actually so my whole thing and then this will make it clear where I stand with that so we're talking about my family will come I'm like no not my family I'll just come alone we'll have so much more fun that way <laughs> get to spend some quality time yes so I'm so glad I got to meet you um it's been a joy and pleasure to chat with you over social and everything well let's start with the um pandemic yeah. now I know that you've been really zeroing on your business um, how you can best serve your your customers and how you can extend what you're doing in, you know, kind of course format. So tell me more about what's been keeping you busy over the last year and really focused. Yeah, so it started off with pandemic happened. And unfortunately, one of the things I've noticed is that companies, one of the first things they cut is like this coaching and um, training and all those types of things. And so I found myself, most of my customers have their stuff on hold. And so I was very sad about it. But then I also thought, hey, this is a good time to kind of reevaluate the business as opposed to always being in the business. And so I had a chance to look at a lot of my marketing material, all these things. And um, I found out that there was a class that I had that I do live every, you know, it's a two day full day class. It's my favorite thing I think that I do um, in all the things that I offer. And it's fun and it gets a lot of recognition. It's a um, psychology and sales. It's called Psyched to Sell. And I thought, you know what, I I'm going to have to figure out how to deliver this virtually. And I'm like a really hands-on person. And that's that's daunting. I mean, I hand out gold stars in my class. I do wacky things. And so the idea of having to turn that virtual was very um, stressful. But I pulled it together. So now I do two days. In one week, I'll do two days, three and a half days each. Following week, same two days, three and a half hours. And so for all my wacky things that I usually do, I ship a package to all the participants that has um, you know, some stretchy figures, some granola bars and little stars and things like that, just so that they know that 
you know, you're going to get some of the experience and we could talk about it in the class. So, and I've done it now a couple of times and it is such a joy. I was the biggest skeptic. I mean, for me, like you said, just, I can't, it's hard not to be around my people all the time. And so I was very cynical in the beginning, but now I found that, you know what, you can build relationships just on video and you can have fun doing things like class. You just have to be really thoughtful about it and make it more engaging, I think is what is the way that you have to look at it. And I did it. It was a lot of work and it was a lot of thought. But when I had the first couple, it showed. And I said, yes, I did this right. I'm so excited. And so now I'll be able to do it both ways. So if and when we do get to the point where we're doing more um, face-to-face type teaching, I'll have an option for my clients. I can say I can come out there, which is always my preference. But if that's not convenient or if now there's going to be clients that are remote workforce, period. And so now I've got that option as well, if needed. But it's yes, also and, been able and, to de- deliver it to the other side of the world. Yes, you know, so it's yes, not always yes. possible for companies to pay yes. to ship you out there, but actually exactly. they can have you all over the world. There's a real advantage to it. Yeah. And I was talking to a team yesterday out of India. And so it was the first time I've ever thought about working with a customer in India, but they're so excited about the class and we're going to run it next month. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a wow experience because I was so skeptical of it. And so to see that you can pull it off and do it well, that's been awesome for me. I'm doing quite a bit of uh, online delivery and kind of using yeah. some of the tools, you know, like Memorial, um, um, where you can actually do co-creating online. Um, so, you know, you would normally in the classroom have post-it notes and things all over the room and people yeah. discussing. There are so many um, apps um, that are around, that around now. now that allow you to actually do that. So um, I love yeah. the idea of actually sending a package before oh, the course. People love this. And it just reminds me that at the end of the day, we are humans buying from humans, selling to humans, teaching humans. And nobody doesn't love opening a package and seeing all these things in it and being like, well, this is going to be different, right? And it is. I mean, I have to prepare them somehow because I do things in a nutty way. And so that kind of gives them an idea of, okay, this, this lady is going to do things differently. Um, and it's just it's just fun. And they've all told me that. So, uh, you know, that's like a personal win for me when something like that happens and they appreciate it. Brilliant, brilliant. So talking about human to human, let's talk yeah. about Beat the Bots, your book that's done um, so well. And, you know, the key things that you talk about, that even if it's business to business, Uh, it's important to be human to human and that's how you can beat AI robots and and, and the bots so tell me more about your inspiration for the book and the key things that people say really resonated with them about the book yeah so um gosh this book was such a labor of love I had no intention ever of writing a book it was just not part of my agenda but I work with so many clients I'm an embedded coach so not only do I get to coach them one-on-one each week but when they have um, more important customer calls, I don't go out person now, but I was going out in person with them so I could actually coach them um, real life. And so I was working with one customer and everyone has been challenged by, you know, value propositions are becoming commoditized. It's, there's no such thing as a unique selling or unique value proposition or unique selling proposition. Rarely do we have companies that can actually say that. And there's only a finite amount of time until somebody else copies it anyway. And so people were feeling a lot of pressure, the sales pros that I work with. Um, and remember, these are humans. They've got families. They've got children. They've got um, a life outside of their work. And their lifestyle is funded by their job, right? 
And so there's just a lot of primal fear around it. And because I'm a coach, I have kind of a unique perspective, right? Salespeople, when they come to me, they know that it's a, like a trust, like there's a, a moment of trust where they can just share their real, their reality, as opposed to just trying to be tough and, you know, strong, um, sometimes like you do when you're in a sales meeting, for example, with your team. And so they were just really stressed out and I couldn't take it. I said, gosh, I got to figure out how to make this better. And I knew the one thing that would make it better was having them focus more directly on the customer, not the person that's buying, not the buyer, you know, in quotes um, for that company, but that human being who has the role of buyer at that company. And so look at that person. What's the impact of what you're selling on that person, that human? Is it going to mean now that they can actually go to their kids' little league game? Is it going to mean that they have more time to go pursue a master's degree? Whatever that looks like, you want to be so in tune with them that you're able to do things that help them be successful on all those levels. Um, and I've seen top sales performers do things like that over the years. And they're the high performers for a reason. They know how to relate at that level. And customers always say about these salespeople, they say, and I go back to them because they've got my back and I know they won't let me fail. That is what people want from sales professionals. And those are the customers for life. So it was one particular gentleman I was talking to and he was down and out after we did a meeting. Meeting went okay. But we were sitting there having a drink and a couple of drinks in. He does talk about, um, and this is in the book, he talks about how his kids are in private school. And if this doesn't change, you might have to take them out of private school. And his wife is a teacher and she hadn't worked in years. And now she may have to go back to work. And so I'm sitting there and I'm a very empathetic person. I'm just like, oh my God, it's awful. I can't imagine how as a provider, how must that feel? And so I said, okay, no, got to do something. And the funny thing is when the book came out, that's the preface essentially is talking about that interaction. Um, it was, you know, it's not, it wasn't one interaction. It was the whole story is the sum of so many different salespeople and bits and pieces. And what was hilarious is people would come up to me that people that I'd coached in the past and say, did you write that about me? I'm like, no, I sure didn't. But that remind that told me that I did it right because it resonated with so many different people. They actually thought I was writing about them, which I wasn't. Um, and so it, it was something that hit their heart, right? It went to that human layer of challenge for them. You know, salespeople, we have challenge. We don't love CRM. We don't like paperwork. We don't like to expense reports. There's stuff we hate right during the day. This is your livelihood and it's what you um, do for your family or just even for yourself if you have a lifestyle that you want to support. I had to be able to come up with ways to help them with that. But when I read the book, what it, um, I felt the other side of it is, is um, being personable, making sure you're making a human connection, leaving something, some, uh, leaving your, your, your buyer customer with something of yourself, make it personable to them. And each individual person within that organization or buying unit really think yeah. about what is going to turn them, that particular person on. Yeah, it's so funny. And time and again, I look at deals that are lost and you follow the sales process, you follow every methodology to the T. And yet at the end, it falls apart 100% of the time. And I'm, I will say this, people can argue with me. It is due to some human thing, politics or somebody got frustrated and scared, or somebody left the company. Always, 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 if you lose a deal after you've done everything right, it's because something happened at a human level. And so you, if you relate at that level from the beginning, if there's going to be a challenge now, the person that you've built such a good relationship with, they're going to come tell you, right? And they're not going to feel bad about coming and telling you that, hey, look, this may not work. I just want you to be aware. 
And then that mutual trust grows from there. So you're right. It has to be, you have to get to that person. Yeah. Or people in our case now, right? So many buyers. Yeah, absolutely. And more so now post COVID, the risk averse people that are on the team that have no skin in the game, but just to say no. That's right. Yeah. They just want to chime in. They want to have their voice heard. And it's sad. Some people are contrarian just to be contrarian, right? Like that's just their personality. And so you have to have a strategy for each of those people. Um, you know, I learned that a long time ago. I was doing a large deal pursuit effort, and we were selling to a company. We were up against a really, really big company with three um, three initials <laughs> in the company, and our team was small, and our company was smaller. And we didn't think we stood a chance. We thought we were just like column fodder at that point. But our team decided. Um, so the CEO of that company that we were selling to, they were best friends with the person from the other company. They had been to their R&D department, da, 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 da. but there was a committee that was buying and there was 13 people on that committee. We knew the only chance we had was to get to every other person because one thing that CEO, the human's not going to do, relatively new, is go against the recommendation of all of his people. I don't care who he's best friends with, right? So at this point, that's the tactic that we took. And so each of us met with certain people that we could relate with and, and we won. It was the biggest deal that that company had ever seen to that point. And it was amazing because the customers internally, they'd call and be like, I wish you could have seen what the CEO just did to that company. And I said, really? You know, because I built a relationship. So it hadn't been announced, but I'm sitting at the airport and one of my customers called me. He's like, you guys are going to get this. And so it was just, it was just lovely. But that only happened because we devoted, and I love that word, we devoted ourselves to making sure they knew that they would be successful if they worked with us. And yeah. we delivered on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to um, deliver on it. I, I yeah. um, have worked with companies and kind of won contracts for that very reason. Be taking a step back and being strategic and uh, looking at them as individuals. Because one key account management is, is uh, one area that, you know, I talk about. Um, and there is still a lot of key account managers that look at the account as a whole rather than the individuals within the account so when you know even salespeople when they're pitching a a larger deal they will have one um one pitch to go to the whole company you know as if everyone's got the the same um um, perspective which they absolutely do Do not and And you have to speak in their language personal that's the thing that's different yeah, and you have to speak their language. And the thing is, this is a deliberate action. Now, high performers typically do this instinctively. But as a sales professional that hasn't had that level of success, take a step back and look at how you're doing this personal relationship stuff. And I'm not talking about steak dinners and golf and things like that. I'm talking about genuinely investing in your customer's success. And that means if you find an article that looks like it makes sense to them, pull it up, highlight it, what you thought, send your notes and send it. Customers do not know how to handle that because no one cares enough anymore. And so for the, you know, for what I think is the foreseeable future, the people that care the most and share that caring and are open about it, they're the ones that are going to differentiate because it's too easy to go in there and just do a pitch and talk about your benefits and features. Every salesperson does that. So what can you do as a salesperson that makes you different? And um, it goes to the human to human. So what I like to tell salespeople, who you are, what you stand for, some total of your experiences. When you mix all that up, knowing what your customer needs and come up with a unique way to present it to them based on that, it cannot be replicated. 
you've got a differentiated moment there because no one's you and no one's your customer. So there's no way that that can be um, duplicated. And so, and that's how you, that's how you earn the customer for life by focusing at that level. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. So let's um, talk about diversity in, in sales. You know, whether you yeah. think that it is progressing, is it progressing enough? Are we on the right track? Why is it might be important? Yeah, gosh, this topic is so close to my heart, right? So I started my career in sales and um, actually I started off as an administrator very early on, but I was the only woman in the room almost every time. I was the only woman of color, person of color in the room. And it was just a struggle. I was blessed that I had great people that were around me and they supported me and they never let me be held back or anything. But that's just what the world was, was tech sales. And so I would love to say that today things have changed a lot. I don't believe they have. I think the good news is, as of all the things that have happened over the past year and um, you know, just on a societal level in terms of knowledge and understanding of what actually is being experienced by underrepresented people, I think that gives us the moment to talk a lot more about it. And if we're talking about it right now, that's a first step. First step is addressing how we think about hiring people and having a diverse team. And then you move forward with that action and then the behaviors that help support those people once they're in your company. And, you know, what kills me about companies is after this, um, after the George Floyd and everything happened last year, companies grew sensitive. They knew that they had to look at this. And all of a sudden, there's all these stock photos of diverse people in an office on websites. But I've seen websites and all of a sudden they've changed. The thing is, when you go to look at the About Us page and you see the leadership roster, it's all white men. So I don't care how many stock photos you put or your marketing team was smart enough to know that you had to look like you're diverse. People aren't stupid. People that are out there looking for jobs, they know what the score is. And so you have to make it a deliberate focus of the company from a leadership level to go out there and bring on people with diverse backgrounds, thoughts, you know, just include everybody. Here's the thing. If you don't have diverse sellers, how are you going to be successful being personal with the diverse buyers? You can't. I mean, the experiences are so different. There will always be a limit to the level that you can relate, right? And so you have to have multiple voices representing your company because multiple voices are representing others. And why not have people that are going to be able to have different perspectives? Where does where do you think innovation comes from? It doesn't come from the same people brainstorming the same things over and over again. Um, and so I'm pretty, I'm really passionate about it. I think that I've been working with a lot of sales leaders who are starting to see it and they want to go out there and find more. And the challenge is COVID has taken a lot of women in particular out of the marketplace um, and out of jobs. And so they're struggling to even get back into the workforce. So even though I've got a couple of um, sales leaders who are truly trying to get people of color and women in, they're just not finding the candidates right now in, in general. And so we're coming up with more um, interesting ways to do that, like building a relationship with, um, you know, historically black colleges, for example, in the United States. That's something that is you can just build a relationship with people in the administration and get that funnel going. You can go to inner city colleges where there's a, just a, you know, a beautiful range of people and you have to go where these people are at. You can't expect that they're just going to come to you, especially if you have not positioned yourself as a company that is open and will embrace different ideas. And that whole about us page is not going to work for a lot of candidates. And um, you know, I've got, I told you I've got teenagers and I listen to their thoughts about this topic. And there's a grand total of zero patience for it. 
they cannot, they have no way of understanding and comprehending why it, why this is an issue. Mom, why is it an issue? Don't they know? I said, oh dear, if they knew how silly this thought process is, where would we be? And so it's fascinating to them as young people that this is something that's going on. How can you be that way is their thought. So companies have got to learn. They've got to figure that out because this younger generation, they've got no time for it. And I think it's quite interesting. I was reading an article. Um, Sherilyn, you, um, I've just reposted her article she's done for LinkedIn sales about Generation oh, Z. And, oh, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I added some uh, uh, other comments uh, to it. And, that, and so it reminded me when you said they've got no tolerance for this. But the thing is, is that sales leader, one of my concerns with the, you know, the traditional sales leader, that Generation yeah. Z has a lot of advantages in that they're digital natives and yes. their, their view of the world. But, you know, they can be capped by the traditional sales managers. So that was one of my or leader and that was so one of my true. concerns. And their fear about setting this person free and, you know, to run riot around the organizations with their customers because yeah. it's a foreign to them. They don't, um, and they don't know what to do with it. And they don't know what to do of, with it. No, no. Am I capable of managing that person? Yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. the pit in their stomach. Um, are they going to make me look bad if I can't manage them? Yeah, so you're 100% right. I think sales leaders, um, they, they want, if you ask them, they'll say they want that. But again, like any other human in real life, there's very strong emotions behind whether or not they make that decision. And I think it takes a lot of strength for a salesperson or sales leader to say, look, I will take that person that has a little bit less experience because they bring a different viewpoint to the company. And then if you don't believe that you can coach them, well, then go work on your coaching. Right. I mean, you have to own part of that. And that's a deficiency, I think, across the board um, and frontline sales managers, at least, I would say. So, yeah, you have to you have to prepare the organization to have this change. Otherwise, the change will leave you behind. Yeah. And um, you don't want you don't want to be in that. That's not something you want to be a part of as a company. Yeah. And I think it's thinking it's not them that have to adapt. It's me. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm the one. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the one yep. that needs to start speaking my the, the language of Generation Z or the language of other people rather than trying That's to get right. them to fit into my box and limit their creativity and innovation and insight yes. that they have into what's going on in the world. Yeah, and sales leaders, especially for me, it's a, it's a unique group, right? They're my people. I adore them. But a lot of them were top salespeople. They were like the top producer and they got moved. The only way to get them higher in the organization was to make them a sales manager. They've never coached a day in their life. They've never had to because they just know how to do everything because they're that good at it. I mean, and now you expect them to all of a sudden become a you know a benevolent coach that's going to spend great time and bring the potential. That's not real. You have to help enable them to be successful with their teams. And I think that's a challenge that so many senior leaders have is, my gosh, these sales leaders are not, they're not up to snuff of what they need to do. When I've worked with, um, sometimes a company will bring me in and do a class, and then I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with their people. The sales leaders are always inevitably involved in like the planning process and such. One time I was making changes at the level of these people that were getting coached. It was a subset of the organization. I just went back to that chief revenue officer. And I was like, look, I can work with these people all day, but if these four of your sales leaders are not playing the same game as these, they will suck it out of the people. If I teach it, they'll just, it'll die because they're not reinforcing it. And so we moved back and I started to coach those leaders and then they can start coaching 
their people and I can assist in that way. So it's, I mean, it's a totally different mindset. And when I look for clients, it's a side story. I listen to how they speak in the first few minutes. And if I don't hear something like, well, maybe I could do a better job or that's something that I want to be able to learn. And I'm working on that. I'm not hearing any of those things. I'm probably not taking that client. Um, you know, because I, I know that if there's no self-accountability and self-awareness, how am I going to help them? Mm. You know, that's a much longer journey. I like to get in there and have a big impact, right? And so I don't have five years to try to help someone become self-aware. Um, it's a struggle. And so that's kind of how I look at things when I'm looking for a customer. I think that's a great insight. I know one of my um, biggest wins with a client was in nine months, they increase their revenue by over six million dollars and you know like oh you everyone was shocked but I had the sales director and the sales leader in the room um co-facilitating that's it but actually they were learning they were learning and realizing okay how can we make this work they have to be in the room so they may say i haven't got time in my diary but it's pointless unless they've got real insight as to what this uh, uh, this mindset shift is uh, and the fundamental changes that they need to work back through their their um their value chain to ensure right. that there aren't the blocks in place because it's all very well the salespeople that are starting to do things yeah. differently to different. serve their customers better but what happens they go to the finance department that says oh no this is the way we do it you know That's not right. your customers well, this is the way we do it in our department you need the sales director to say to help kind of yeah yeah exactly they have to together. be in the room they have to be yeah. in the room Yes. And bought in. You have to win them first. I think the other thing that yeah. I do when I'm meeting with clients is sometimes I have a CEO that comes to me. And so I'll say, okay, look, I need to meet your senior sales leaders. Let me just talk to them. And because that's how I can diagnose what needs to happen. And, yeah. you know, the sad part is sometimes they can be in the room, but then they leave and they don't hold a standard for their people. Mm. And so that investment that somebody made, it dies. And that, that truly hurts my feelings because you know, I put all this into it and they leave and they're energized and they're excited and they're going to go do things. Well, then if the sales leader doesn't do anything to help reinforce it, yeah. It, it, now, granted, they will remember some things and they'll use them because I've nagged them enough to make that happen. Um, but it's, they, they need to have that accountability um, in place. From the, and that's a leadership thing. It's change management. Like We have to have leadership yeah. involved. Yeah. It starts at the top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to ask you, um, if you, um, who is your, your hero or shero? Oh, that's a great question. Um, gosh, I think overall, probably it's my mother, right? That's my personal um, shero. She's amazing. I mean, she's the kindest person. She's always going out of her way to help people. All these things I talk about being devoted to other people's success. She could have written that book. So she's my, my um, in my whole heart, probably my shero. But if I look at um, a hero, just, you know, in general that other people would know, it would be, it's kind of a buy one, get one free. I'm sneaky that way. It would be. Oh, um, you're in sales, Helen, aren't you? <laughs> and that's exactly right. It's um, it's uh, Helen Keller and um, Ann Sullivan. So Helen Keller, of course, you know, she was blind and mute and she had so many different deaths. She had so many different challenges. And as a child, I mean, she was struggling and no one could figure out how to help her. Well, enter the teacher, right? Ann Sullivan, she comes in and she has the determination to help this child see the, see the good in her own self. And then ultimately to be that person that supported her throughout her life. And so for me, um, I think Helen Keller is amazing. She went through it. But part of me is like, I, I even love the teacher more. And that's why I say I'm a teacher, not a trainer. 
because um, teachers own a part of your destiny. If you're a teacher, you look at every student. If you're a good teacher, you look at them as, I own a part of their destiny and are they going to be successful? Trainer comes in, delivers content and walks away, right? And so um, that ability to teach and really impact someone's life, that to me is, is the ultimate. That's being a hero. That's why you're the sales sensei. That's it. I had to find a different name. <laughs> I was like, I want to be a teacher. It's yeah. not a trainer because, you know, people yeah. say that all the time. And yes, I guess you could say what I do is training, but it's not just training. I don't have content that I've already got in a can and I just deliver it. I, I, that's the reason I left my last job is because people didn't understand the need to personalize. It's who I am. I can't go deliver templated content to people yeah. against everything I stand for. And so I have to customize it. And when you customize it and you make it so that the people can understand it, that to me is teaching, Yeah. Um, you know, which is different. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm very serious about not templatizing my clients. That'll never happen. It, um, it, what you said, uh, I, um, I absolutely get it, but it's also reflects on you as a salesperson in that, you know, you, your customer is most important. You're, you're personalizing it to your customer, but also in I find it's quite a challenge in that companies, people that buy, whether it's consultancy, training, what it, they want a product, a box, so that they can then sell it into the company. Internally. And I'm like you. I I don't have, I mean, I kind of, I've created a framework. I have a, a box, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. But actually, you and I know they never have the box. They have what is right for them where they are That's in right. order to take them to the next level. So I absolutely have to start again and pick and choose the things that are relevant yeah. to them. But they wouldn't buy it unless they could see the box. That's it's right. And it's a struggle. It? it is. It's such a struggle. And, um, you know, so I look at, I love that analogy of the box where it's like, here, I've got a box and it's got some sweaters in it. If I give it to you and they're not the right size, shame on me. Right. But if you asked for it and forced me to give it to you, then what did you think I was going to give you? Whereas I'd rather hang out, get your size and knit the darn thing from scratch rather than give it to you. Yeah. And, you know, one of my clients, uh, it was a prospect at the time. He asked me, he said, how do you scale? And I said, I don't. I don't. Some people are not in business to be gajillionaires. That's not me. I'm in business to select people that I can believe in and help them be successful. And success follows. Like my definition of success follows for me. So they were taken aback by that answer. I said, I, I don't want 10 people at the same time as clients. I can't give them that level of um, care as I'd like to. And it's, it's the thing that makes me sad in this world is that's so rare, I guess. And people are just shocked. And the first few times they talk to me, you can see them trying to test if I'm for real. And if I really mean these words that are coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, after time, they see that it is true and I'm not full of it. But that still makes me sad. It's like, gosh, is that the world we live in that you just expect people to be giving you a line? And it is. That's a world we've created. And I blame a lot of this traditional sales for that, is that people think you're coming in with a pitch. And if you're not, it takes a while for them to recognize that that is even possible. Ultimately, it works out really well because people do want to be cared for. Yeah. It's interesting that there's that time where they're kind of like, so what will you do about this? And what will you do about that? Right. It's just they're trying to test that. Um, but I mean, I've got an agenda that I share. I'll say, look, this is the general agenda. The talking points are based on my discovery. And I do a detailed discovery before I even step into any kind of a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And so they get to see... Um, they get to see the, like you said, the framework. They get to see the yeah. skeleton, the outline of the it. The process but of I it developing. In. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a process. And so that stuff I have and that I'm consistent. You can't be, even if you're customized, you can't be successful if you're not consistent in your methodology. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have my process and my template, but that's not for my customers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I'm with you. Well, we're going to have to do this again because, you know, <laughs> maybe when you're in London, that will be great. Yes. Oh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> I know. And it's I, I'm just aching to get out there. I hope things change soon. I'm ready to start yeah. traveling and seeing my seeing my people again. But thank yeah, you so definitely. much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Me too. So how can listeners get hold of you, Anita? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really active on LinkedIn. So if you type in Anita Nielsen and author, this little red, bright red picture is going to pop up. So you can't miss me. Um, and so that's usually where I do the majority of my you know, just content out there and my just my personas out there. I do Twitter. I'm at a Nielsen LDK. Um, but that's if you want to get me, that's the way. Otherwise, the website is www.ldkadvisory.com. And you can get all kinds of goodies on there if you just go to that website. Excellent. I'll put all of that in, in the show notes. But thank you for being a guest thank on Scale you Yourself Podcast, so much. Thank Loved you. It. It's been wonderful. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. So thank yeah. you. Okay. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.